if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to the book of Acts in chapter 21. We're looking here, picking up today in 20, 21, and 22. I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. And uh, man, as they're passing out those prayer cards, I want to say again, thank you. You guys are doing a great job at, at sharing and, and communicating on those cards. Today, I want to talk to you. Uh, <clears throat> I, I just want to uh, cover a lot of territory. Uh, there's some really cool stories in here about the power of God. This is, uh, I mean, we see that people were falling asleep on, on sermons a long time ago because in this chapter there was a man named Eutychus who was sitting in the windowsill and Paul was teaching and he fell out of the window after he fell asleep and fell on the ground and then Paul went down there and worked supernatural on his life and as one preacher said, you'd have cussed too if you'd have fell out the window. But uh, nevertheless, uh, it, it's an interesting story here that's unfolding. But the, the greatest story is this, is that it's a story that teaches us how we shall live. Uh, we did something new Friday with an open forum podcast and where people could text in and, and respond and, and give comments or ask questions. And the theory on it is this, it, the thought behind it is uh, just open forum, talking about real life issues. And then the subject is how then shall we live in light of X, Y, Z. And so in that concept, how then shall we live? We talked about that sermon last week, and we saw the power of God break out when the message of God was preached and the miracle of God was pre presented, and then the mob, the riot broke out. But in chapter 20, we're going to pick up here and look at this. I think as we celebrate the 4th of July this year, we are celebrating 243 years of freedom for God. America was not founded for freedom from God, but freedom for God and to worship him. In that concept, there was many men that were willing to die for the cause to be able to worship God freely. We think about that and I begin to realize what Paul, the apostle Paul was saying here. If you could summarize these three chapters, you could just kind of summarize it as a death wish, a man with a death wish. In that concept, Paul continues to talk about dying and tribulation and persecution and all of these things. And we can summarize this sermon by saying Paul was basically preaching to die. Do you realize today we have come to the place where we are in a position where we are, are looking and moving and we're seeing God do some things. And in that concept, we are no longer seeing the power of God the way that we saw it presented last week in our realm, in our city uh, wow, what a testimony. Uh, man, it makes my heart so happy that Pastor Fred is here and he's working along beside us and we're on the front lines and seeing uh, some great things happen and, and God doing some awesome things. But we have to have the mindset of this, that we are determined to leave it all on the field. Paul put it this way in Acts chapter 20 and verse 18. It says, And when they had come to him, he said, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. What manner, how I live my life. And here's what he said. I live my life serving the Lord with all humility. With many tears I had regularly. He goes on and said, I had trials 
that happened to me by the religious folks and the Jews plotting against us. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught it to you publicly, house to house. That I went about testifying over to the Jews again and again, and also to the Greeks about repentance towards God and faith to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we think about this in last week's sermon, the question is, how then shall we live? How shall we get to the place where we are seeing a demonstration of God? You see, my friends, when we begin to think about the reality of where we are in this world, we have to ask ourselves, the question is, what is the application? What does it look like? Well, I believe that if we want to see the power of God on our churches like in the early days of the book of Acts, I believe that can happen again. I believe that what's going to happen is the church falling in love with Jesus more than ever before. And I believe that we need to have a prepared life. Today, I believe one of the greatest tragedies is that people are living life haphazardly. They are living life and it's ready, fire, aim. They are living in a way that is unintentional. They are living in a way that is unfulfilled. They are living in a way that is not making an impact. My friends today, when we think about this and where we are in this concept and where modern Christianity in the West has taken us, we have come to the place that we are no longer willing to be a battleship for Jesus, but we are, would rather be a cruise liner for the saints. Amen? When you think about that concept, and that's just not an easy applaud line, but God did not establish the church for us to be a cruise liner that is filled with shows and people dressing up and going to find meals and, and being entertained. But we exist at Family of Grace because the New Testament model and plan for church was that we would be a battleship, that we would be on the front lines. You know what makes my heart so happy is that, man, I, that I'm not on the fight any longer by myself, that people like Fred are coming along beside us and we can get in the trenches and make a difference. You see, my friends, that we are living in a situation where hopelessness is abounding, where it is is running recklessly. It is full throttle. It is impacting us all over nationally. It is impacting us in our state and it is impacting central Louisiana. We look at the news reports and we think, oh my goodness, how can all of this continue to happen? Well, I want you to realize today that there has never been a better day than to be in the Lord's army. There has never been a better day than to be on the fighting side with Jesus Christ. But we have got to get back to being the battleship. We have got to be get back to the point of going on the front lines for the men and the women and the souls of man. You may remember not many Sundays ago I talked to you about having a messed up nation. And if you have a messed up nation, it's because you have a messed up man. And when you have a messed up man, you have a messed up home. And that leads to a messed up nation and a messed up man and a messed up home and a messed up nation makes a messed up state. And then all the way down the line, when the, the, the man is not in the right position of authority, leading and doing what God has called him to do, we have a mess. Pastor Fred just testified that out of 145 kids, 15 of them said, I have a man in my life that is mentoring me and molding me and making a difference. But my friends today, I want you to know that we can live a prepared life by making a difference. Paul said, I can go to heaven, I can die today because I am living my life to the fullest. I am living my life 
prepared. Here's what he says. I have kept nothing back. I have proclaimed it all. I have given it to everybody. And what am I doing? I am going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem knowing that tribulation is coming, knowing that persecution is coming, knowing that despair is coming, knowing that I'm going to be beaten. But you know what? He says, I have a living, I am living a surrendered life. Paul wrote in Galatians 2 and 20, I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ, yet I live, present tense, and the life that I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Paul is saying that I am willing to live the surrendered life. I am willing to leave it all on the field. I am willing to make a difference, and I, am, I die daily. Paul says my life has been prepared because it is surrendered. My friends today, that we need to surrender our will back to God. I believe that if the church of a living God could come back to the model of humility, Paul says, I walk humbly amongst you. I walk humbly around you. I have tears in my eyes. Oh my goodness, the church in the nation that I love and cherish is running away from the conversation about eternal life like never before. Because we think that we exist to be in the service industry. You see, we're not in the service industry. We're on the front lines for the battle of the souls of men and women, boys and girls, that the world and Satan and all of his minions and angels are wreaking havoc on. And we are wondering, why can't the government fix it? Because God did not ordain the government to lead the family. God did not ordain the government to take the message of life. He gave that to the church. And the church has traded the message of dying to yourself, surrendering your life, taking up your cross and following Jesus and have traded it for the luxury cruise liner. We want to be in the service industry. Most churches look at church this way, as Pastor Fred just said. Man, how can we serve each other? How can we make our journey to heaven comfortable? How can we make the climate around us enjoyable until we get there? But the reality is, my friends, that there's not a family sitting in this building today that doesn't have somebody that's either in your bloodline, carries your last name, your grandkid, your grandchild, your, your child, your spouse, somebody that is walking through hell by the square inch and is on the losing end of the battle. And I want you to know that I don't want to be part of an entertainment-driven industry. I want to be part of those people that when we see men and women, boys and girls and babies and children, that we see them with in the light of eternity. If we saw things in the light of eternity, it would change the way we prayed. It would change the way we, we intervened. It would change the way we fasted. Paul says, I'm living a surrendered life, but I'm living an intentional life. Nor do I count my life so dear is what he goes on and says in verse 22. He says, and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem knowing that the things that will happen to me there ex except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that trains and tribulation await me. But none of these move me nor do I count my life so dear so that I will not finish my race. Not just finish my race saying, oh my goodness, boy, I just hope I can get across the finish line. 
No, he says that I would finish my race with joy. I would finish my ministry with hope. The ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ, that I would testify to the gospel of the grace. And indeed now I know you all who are among you, and I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, and you will see my face no more. But I want you to know that I am innocent of the blood of all men because I have told the greatest love story in all the world. Everywhere I've been, I've told about about the grace of God. I've told about the mercy of God. I've told my story again and again and again and again. My friends, what I want to encourage you on today is that though it seems like we are being besieged in central Louisiana, we are not on the losing end of the battle. Years ago in the Civil War, Alexandria was besieged by the Union troops and most of the city was burned down. We're still under siege, but it's with a different enemy. We can't see him with the natural eye. He eats away at the confidence of your home, the confidence of your marriage, the relationships with your children. And my friends, today we as a church need to live a prepared life. You see, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not if you're going to walk through tribulation. It's not if your children are going to disappoint you. It's not if your spouse is going to let you down. It's not if your preacher is going to let you down. It's not if your church is going to fail you. It's when. And you need to know that we are walking in the middle of spiritual warfare, and you're not wrestling against me. You're not wrestling against your children. You're not wrestling against your family. We're not wrestling against the local government we wrestle not against flesh and blood but principalities and powers and rulers of the air and just like the apostle paul it doesn't matter what's ahead of us we need to be innocent we need to be innocent and declare the way of the lord jesus christ a prepared life that is surrendered and intentional will live to a empowered life You see, I believe here's one of the missing dynamics is that we have church, but we lack the power. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, and you shall receive future tense power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then why are our churches so powerless? Why are the churches on the losing end of the stick? Because the church has lost the burden for the city that it exists in. Most churches exist not for the city, but they think the city exists to serve the churches because they are in a service-driven industry. That's the way Christianity... Listen, I'm telling you today, I might just get in trouble right here, but if churches didn't believe this, their ministry model would look differently. If they weren't in the service industry. And when I say service industry, I mean entertainment, appeasing, making us feel good. I'm not talking about getting a dishpan and a towel and girding yourself and cleaning and doing the unthinkable and serving in the unthinkable places and doing the unthinkable things. My friends today, you may think we are not making a difference, but you don't know what you cannot see. And I am so thankful today, Pastor Fred, that you and Anthony came this way because there were some days that I'm telling you that we thought there was no hope but we prayed and we believed God and we trusted God and we wanted to make a difference for the glory of God we need to have an empowered life 
And the only way you'll have an empowered life is to have a submissive life. The Bible says submit to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. Everybody wants to rebuke demons and rebuke the devil and all this and that, but they forget to submit to God. Yield yourself to the authority of another. A lot of people claim to live a surrendered life, but they don't live a submissive life. Think about it. How many times has God put his finger on something in your life and said, I want you to put a ring on her finger. I want you to, I want you to, be, I want you to be present in that kid's life. I want, you to, I want you to go back. I want you to expose yourself. I want you to expose yourself to hurt again so that you can be on the front lines and doing ministry. There are some of you that are watching at home right now that you are in the underchurch category. You say, what in the world is an underchurch? Oh, it's those of you who fell in love with Jesus a long time ago and you surrendered your life to him, but the church got you high and left you low so many times you just figured you would serve God at home. You'd worship him from your boat. You'd worship him from the golf course or the deer stand or wherever it is. You, and G- you love Jesus. You believe that he died. You believe that he is buried. You believe that he rose again. You believe that you're his child. But boy, it's his church that you have a problem with. See, Paul says right here in this context, He goes on and says, Therefore I testify to you, and I take heed that I have shepherded the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit made me an overseer, which he purchased with his own blood. I want you to realize today that people's going to let you down. Persecution's going to come your way. But if you're living a surrendered life, then you're a dead man walking. And dead people, I've never... I've made some mistakes at funerals, but I've never had a dead person come back and complain to me. I never have. Mispronounce a name and the grandkids and the obituary reading and these kind of things, say the wrong town or give wrong, say it wrong. And I've had family say, boy, you messed that up. Well, have you heard me? I do struggle with the English language. But I've never had a complaint from the person the service was for. Why? Because they couldn't. How many times has it broken my heart as a pastor because we've lost family members because we didn't serve them correctly? We didn't meet their expectations. My friends today, we need to live an empowered life that is submissive to the Holy Spirit. Paul was preaching life while living under a death sentence. He was living with Holy Spirit insight. And the key to living a life of submission is to live through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. Trusting what God is doing in your heart and your life. And my friends today, if you will live a prepared life and an empowered life, then you will live a fulfilled life. You will live a fulfilled life. You see, my friends, when your life, God says, your desires of your heart, I will give them to you. At Psalms 37 and 4, it says, your desires to delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That word delight, man, I want you to go home and look that up in the original language. I mean, just look up that word and see what it means. It literally means to release oneself completely, to to fulfill oneself, to give oneself over completely. And when we give ourselves over to God, you know what? Our desires are His desires. 
Many people have hijacked this verse and they come out with a wish list and say, Lord, I, Jesus, I love you. And it says if I love you, you give me the desires of my heart. No, 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 that's not what it means. It means to completely yield oneself over, to submit oneself to a God, to surrender oneself to the Christ life, and then our desires become his desires and he gives you the desires of your heart. I'm so thankful. Man, Back in the year of 2005, when I lived here from the year of 2005 to 2006, I was living here temporarily, wanting to be anywhere but here. But God said, this is where I want you, and I'm so thankful that I submitted to His ways and not my ways. Paul says a fulfilled life is one that is completely yielded over to Jesus Christ. When we get into verse 21, we see the story continue. We see the story continue because in this context, in verse 11, there was this this guy named Agabus who came down from Judah. And when he had come, he took Paul's belt and said, he took it in his hands and said, and put it on his feet. He said, thus the man who this belt's far, so shall the Jews bind this man with his own belt and deliver him up in the hands of the Gentiles. Now when he had heard these things both, we and those from the, pl- the place pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, What do you mean breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. So when they would not persuade him, Here's what they said. May the will of the Lord be done. When you read verses chapter 21, 22, uh, 20, 21, and 22, there's three main takeaways. A life that was prepared, a life that was empowered, and a life that was fulfilled. There are so many people today that are living an unfulfilled life. I, want, I pray that the Lord lets me live to be old because I'd really like to see my second generation become an adult and that, and I'm going to have to live to be old to see that happen. I figure I'll be 60 by the time Bradley, Bradley graduates high school. Both my grandparents on my mother's side died before they were 65. So my prayer is, Lord, let me live old. It's selfish. I want to see my children grow older and see them be successful. But I'm telling you today, that if God was to call me home right now, there'd be no regrets, no regrets, no regrets, because he has given me the desire of my heart. The desire of my heart was that someday we could walk into some inner city apartment complexes that no other church wanted to go to, no other preacher wanted to go to, and that we could could see children become young men that would resemble and reflect the glory of God. And you know what? That's what we've just witnessed here today. The power of God, the glory of God moving in young people's lives. Don't tell me we can't make a difference. We just got to get beyond the sheetrock. We got to get beyond the holy huddle. We got to get back to the battleship. And say, Lord, I am willing to fight the good fight. I am willing to finish the race. Lord, I am willing to finish what I started. Because it's not about my responsibility to finish it, but your responsibility to finish it through me. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, he says this, Be confident that he who started a good work in you will complete the work. It's not my responsibility to complete the work. It's my responsibility to show up and to be present, to be surrendered, to be submitted and let God do the rest 
Oh, my friends, today I believe that we could see the power of God on central Louisiana and it will agitate the religious folks. It will stir them up. But I am telling you, we've got to quit looking to the government to solve the problems. We've got to go back to the church. Jesus is the answer for the world today. We have the answer. Will we tell the story? I remember as a kid, we had sang the old hymn, I love to tell the story. T'will be the theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Paul continued to move forward and was under siege and was bombarded and the mob broke out. And in chapter 22, here's what he says. Can I address the crowd? man that was just been beaten at the end of chapter 21. A man who the mob was so great against him, the soldiers had to pick him up and carry him through the mob so that the mob wouldn't tear him from their hands. And when he gets on this set of stairs, he says, can I speak to the crowd? And the Bible says in Hebrew, he looked at him and he said, let me tell you guys something. I was religious. Fred, a little bit like your story. He was religious. He was going through the motions. And he said, I was on the road to Damascus full of religion, but God, but God shone the light from heaven. And it filled me, and it struck me, and it blinded me, and he transformed my life there on that road. Oh, my friends today, maybe we just need to run to an old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, but you, Lord, but you, God, would you intervene? Lord, would you come on the behalf of? There was something special that I was getting ready to roll out on August the 16th, but I believe the timing is right to share a preview with you today based on the testimony of Anthony. We, too, pick up over 100 kids from the inner city and bus them to Family of Grace and Wednesday nights, and I'm telling you, there are some days that I just want to quit. There's some days you want to quit. I remember one day I was so discouraged. I, I just came home. I, I told Christy, the kids were in the kitchen. I said, I'm done. I said, I can't do it anymore. And one of the twins looked at me and said, Well, Dad, if you don't go, who's going to go? What you going to say to that? Because she's right. She's right. My friends, who's going to go? Nobody else going to love your family. Nobody else going to love your neighbors. Here's the radical thought. That every one of those kids, whether they go to Cultivate, which is our mentoring ministry, whether they go to Undefeated, or whatever ministry they go to, all these kids without dads in their lives, or a lot of them not even moms, they're living with their grand grandmoms. What if every one of those children was adopted by a member of Family of Grace? And you said... Well, that's my kid. What if you took the picture of that kid and you got his 411 information, what he likes to do, what his favorite candy bar is and all that, 
What if you took that kid home and you started bombarding the gates of heaven on that kid's behalf every day, saying, Lord Jesus, before that kid gets up this morning, I want you to know I'm calling his name out. Would you begin to pray for him? I wonder if you would pray for that kid throughout the day like you pray for your own kids. He doesn't have a mom or dad at home. She doesn't have a mom or dad at home interceding for him. I wonder what would happen if we would spiritually adopt these kids.